0: Bibles. We're starting a new book of the Bible today, which is Ephesians. I can say I'm pretty excited. So if I get excited and up here, it's because I'm kind of jumping up and down. You know, we just came out of Judges, and if you followed us through Judges, which was a fantastic and wonderful book of the Bible, but it felt a little to me, a lot to me, like, well, I'm to love my dog. She's awesome. But if I'm mad at her and I come up mad at her and I say, "Wow, you've been a bad dog," you know what she does? She rolls over. It's like she shows me her belly. She says, oh, I give up. And I felt a little bit like that dog in Judges because we just see over and over how bad we are, how fallen we are. And then we roll over and say, we need a Savior. Well, praise God, there is one. And today we get to, to, to start soaking in the wonder of, to the New Testament church, which we are, of the good news of the gospel. You know, way back in 2009 when the church started, we started with this book. And so it's fitting to me that we start again now because what's happening even in our society with everyone feeling distant and even with the things that are going on in our own hearts and we start to try and do the right thing and take care of people and, 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 and get things right and do good and all these things. I think what we need, what I need is a refreshment a reawakening around the wonder of what God has done for me in Christ. It's it's incredibly deep. I mean, I, I think even by society right now, there's questions, right, about what is the church? Like whether we're essential or not, whether we should meet and gather as a group or how to handle the risks of pandemics, those kinds of questions. and And some of those questions that start to come from society, like why can't you meet at home? Why can't you do stuff remotely? What is this religious? Can't you just put it on pause for six months? And then it reveals our own hearts because we're a little bit uncertain. What is church? And is it figuring out ways to bless the community? Is it loving each other? What does it mean for you, for me, to be in the family of God? What is it that you need? What do you need to hear? What sorts of things do you do? And so we're in this absolutely critical part of the Bible for you and me because Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a letter to the modern church. It's not a letter to the Israelites. It's not a letter to those contemporaneous with Jesus. It's after Jesus has risen and gone and the church is here and, and, and this piece that's super important for you and me. It's aimed at our lives. Okay, so here's what I hope Ephesians will do. This word of God to your heart to refresh you. To awaken you. To push you back to what this church, our church, our local church, what we're about. The gospel. And as Christians, not as the world, but as Christians, as Christians, we drift. We sleep. We're dry. We go into valleys. We get confused. We can lose not our salvation, but but our peace, our joy, our purpose. What I'm going to call gospel astonishment, birth inside us, right? And so today, may times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. His presence. It's the Word by the Spirit. You're forgiven. You're adored because Jesus Christ is the center of your life. Whether you feel it or not, right? It's not just a feeling, but I invite you to experience and receive that this is the truth, the way, the life. Okay, so we're going to look at this and, and begin this process of being refreshed, and it's going to be many weeks as we go through this incredible letter, but we're going to start here in, in chapter 1 of Ephesians. And so this morning, I'm calling it Refreshed and Awakened as we start this journey of saying, I want to be refreshed like a splash of clear, cold, pure water. So I want to spend a little time encouraging you, but in order to do that, I want to establish that there really is a danger for you, and you may even have slipped into it. And to do that, here is my picture, danger. To do that, we're going to go to the end. Because I want to spend a little time encouraging you to see what we're talking about is the problem for post-conversion Christians. By that, I mean you. If you've put your trust in Jesus, and you're walking this Christian life, you agree with the Bible, you're a Christian, the danger in front of you and me, in front of us, isn't only about not meeting on Sundays. It's also a danger when we're in our normal routine, but it's highlighted for us right now, and in the Ephesian church. And as we start to dive in, I want to put the spotlight on this essential need that you and I have to continue to have. It's not opportunities to serve. It's not endurance and suffering. It's not good works. It's not social connection. All those are good things. Here's the danger. Loss of gospel astonishment. That's... Why we're in this letter and in this moment that you and me are in danger moment by moment of moving on from the gospel, of becoming usual about it, of it being normal, something that's assumed to be true so you can focus on further application. And as soon as you start assuming and moving on, you're moving away from the church. You're moving into anxiety, into distance, opening the door on losing joy and peace and certainty and sliding into conflict and dryness and, and distance, right? I, I think you can do all the right things. Read and help and serve and start to slide from your first love. What Christianity is really about. So to help us as we jump into Ephesians, let's consider that. Let's, let's say, well, Dax, is that really true? You're just making that up. Let's consider the Ephesian church for a minute. Paul started the church. He went through modern-day Turkey on his missionary journeys, right? And he founded several churches, but the one that was sort of healthy and fun there was was at Ephesus. He loved the elders. They cried as they sent him back away, never to see him again. It's one of the first churches ever. But what I want you to hear first this morning is what Jesus said to them. What do you mean, Jesus? Yeah, Remember? John, at the very end of his life, had this amazing vision where Jesus actually spoke to him. If it's in your Bibles and you have a red-letter Bible, it's in red. And he had this message to the churches. And the first one that he talks about is the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians. It's in Revelation. And if you go there, I'll put it up on the screen. But you can go to chapter 2 of Revelation and take a look with me. Look what he says. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write... The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's Jesus. Jesus has a word for the church. Whoa, I want to hear it. This is the church we're going to be talking about. The, the letter is too. And so I'm, I'm going to get this. He says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. And you have not grown weary. Boy, this sounds like a Christian life. I know your work's. I know your toil. I know your patient endurance. I know how you can't bear with those who are evil. I know you're enduring and bearing up and haven't grown weary. And I go, yes, this is, this is me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of tired, but I'm, 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 I'm hitting it. It sounds like what the Christian life is. All good things to work and toil and endure and stay away from evil and bear up and don't grow weary. And, and so I think many of us have embraced this idea of what Christianity is. Just getting by. Serving my neighbor and keeping up with my disciplines and enduring suffering and just kind of getting through life. And, and honestly, if I was going to frame it another way, I'd say we live lives of quiet despair. When will it be done? I start looking for where green pastures might be like vacations or internet pictures, something, something to get me. Uh, I, I do it because I think it's right, but I don't know that my heart is in this. Something might be better, even though I'm doing my Christian duty. I'm vaguely unsettled. I guess that's just my flesh. I can start thinking. I need to try harder to see the things that I do are Christianity. To be good, to endure good works, suffering well, and I think yeah, that's that's he's commending them, and they are. It is a condemnation. Uh, con- commendation a good thing right that's why there's this shock in verse 4 look at it but i have this against you what i'm doing good works i'm enduring i'm patient i'm not going i'm doing my christian thing here jesus I have this against you, Jesus says to his church, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. He'll go on there, it cuts off there right now, but this is, you can read the rest, it says, and if you don't do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you out. What? So, so literally there in verse four, it says, I have this against you, that you have deserted your first love. So, so all the good works that you're doing, and all the enduring that you're doing, and all the patience that you're having, and all the not growing weary that you're having, but, but, but that's not reflective of, of your first love. That's the literal statement, that you have deserted your first love. You do good works. You endure your void, for evil. He's not talking of your love being better before or of different quality or of working harder. He's saying you're doing lots and you're enduring, but you're missing the first love. You remember that? Then he gets even stronger, right? Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works. That's what he says. Do the first works. What are the first works? Well, it's the foundational works, right? It's possible to be Christian, to do works, to toil, to be in the midst of endurance, and to move on from your first love, to do works, to be striving hard, and to miss the first works. Oh, no. Thought about this in my life a little bit. I don't know about you. I I, I thought about it in terms of, like, running because I I love to run. Always have. Ran cross-country when I was a kid. But my first marathon that I ran when I was in just out of high school. Love it. And you start that marathon, and you're so excited, and you start running. And it's a joy, and I love to run. So there you are running, and you're chatting, and you're talking, and it's a beautiful day. And you're like, oh, man, running's awesome. And there you go. And then about mile 19, mile 20. It becomes evident, right? I'm not running because I love to run. At that point, if you said to me, how great it is to run, I'd say, shut up. I didn't stop. I'm not stopping. I'm going. But why? A man, I'm thinking, I hate running. I hate this. When can I stop? I'm just going to make it to the finish line. And it becomes my passion and my push that I'm going to make it to the finish line. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to make it. It's not about loving running. (laughs) And if you told me there, hey, Dax, go back to your first love. Love running. I'll swear at you. Well, in my heart anyway. Because I've defined running as the race. I'm going to finish the race. This is the danger. This is the danger now. What's your first love? What's your first love? Is it not the love of God for you? Chew on that with me. Don't just throw it away. This isn't just a throwaway phrase for you to like throw. Think about what you love. I love that God loves me. I love that news that he loves me. And And there's a small change that starts to happen. I love. And it becomes what I do. And loving God becomes what I do. And it takes form. And it's wonderful. And it's exciting. And I talk about him to my neighbor. And I read the Bible. And I serve the community. And it only takes a little time. Especially if I'm on my own especially if I'm distanced, not expressly refreshed, for the activities become the love. The love, my love, because that's what my love is. My love is the response. My love is the the doing, right? So I start to do because God has loved me, I love. and, And pretty soon, my loving is what it's about. It becomes the focus. It has some connection, like running does with finishing the race. But I'll tell you, it's different. It's not the same. Because I love God, and loving God is serving my neighbor, and serving my neighbor is loving God. I earnestly work at it. I patiently endure. I focus on being non-evil. Loving God is avoiding evil. I avoid evil. Pretty soon, I'm just straining to avoid evil, because I know I'm supposed to love God. And it's about, I'm going to love God. And to this Christianity, Jesus himself, he's the one speaking in Revelation chapter two. I have this against you. You've lost what this is. You love that God loves you. That's the message. He's talking to you and me, and we must come to the text and hear it anew. And we need some, someone outside of us to help pull us back to this message, to this amazing proclamation that God loves you in Christ. Because we like sheep go astray, all of us. And so here comes Ephesians, God speaking through the church to the one at Ephesus. There's a rescue for us. From this danger. The rescue is the very word of God that you might hear today and receive it today. The wonder of Christ for you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter one, just the first couple of verses today. Paul, verse one of Ephesians one. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's an envoy of God's, of Of Jesus, right? Of our my Savior Jesus. An envoy, a sent one, a messenger of my Savior Jesus by God's will. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me rephrase that in non-archaic language. To the holy ones and dependable in our Savior Jesus. That's what we've discovered, right? That we're holy in Jesus. That we're faithful, not on our own, not in our, but in Jesus because of His faithfulness. This is the declaration of God that Paul starts out with in this letter. Testified by His Son who died on the cross for you to obtain your holiness and blamelessness and you're like, wow. <laughs> Soak in. This is the message. It's the very start. This is who you and I are in the midst of distance and stresses and imperfections and differences. I'm a holy one. I'm dependable in Jesus, my Savior. Grace to you, he says, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, that's the Greek greeting, right? That's grace, just favor beyond you. And peace, that's shalom, that's the Hebrew greeting, right? Rightness in all of your walk before the Lord, from the Lord. In fact, he even says, from God our Father and the Lord, Lord Jesus our Savior. He speaks grace and peace to you right now. And then verse 3, just to start, this starts this long sentence, verse 3 all the way through 14, and we're going to look at it next week, but at least hear the start. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. <laughs> Do you hear what he's stressing? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, our Savior. Blessed because he has blessed us in Jesus with every spiritual blessing. How amazing he is. Because, because in Jesus, we have everything. <laughs> From him, yes, and also in him, right? I mean, that's the three verses. That's just three verses, so we're going to start this whole thing. Here's Paul. He's an envoy of Jesus. He says, to holy and dependable ones in Jesus, bringing grace and peace from Jesus, blessing the Father of Jesus, who has blessed us in Jesus. So in three verses, what do you hear over and over? Five times. I know it's a Sunday school answer, but you can still give it to the TV screen. Jesus! Jesus! This is a letter about your first love. The deep, wondrous love of Jesus for you. Right? Our eyes get open to it. And if it's not, then I just invite you today to soak in it. Paul is affirming and deepening and speaking this love to you. So you'll hear it again. He'll go three chapters now. He's going to go with us and we'll walk through them. He's going to walk through three chapters. Not a single thing for you to do. Not one thing. Nothing for you to accomplish. Nothing for you to get on the stick about. He's just going to push you into the unknowable, unfathomable depths of the love of Jesus for you. That's the depths of it. You're loved, forgiven, promised, sealed, brought near, saved, born again, and loved. When your heart actually opens to this, it's the sweetest truth you'll ever know. I, I, I You taste it, right? You taste it. When, when I... When I, when I taste and my heart's just overwhelmed with the blessing of my wife, when my daughters tell me they love me, yeah, I know that means they're going to tell me today, right? Cause they're probably listening to this. Hey, hey, pro tip daughters that dad loves getting told that you love him. Like when I look even at the sunset or the mountains and I'm just overwhelmed at the grace and mercy and peace that's brought into my life. I don't deserve it, but I have it. Whether or not I feel it, of course, it's just a reality. And you know what? I will love my wife and start the activities of serving my wife, but I'm astonished that my wife loves me. And if it doesn't astonish you, it should. I know me. I will love my kids. I will start the activities of serving my kids. But I'm astonished that my kids love me. Let me say this. Let me say this. Your spouse may not love you. Your kids may not love you. You may lose or miss or not have any of these particular blessings of of things that love you. But I'll tell you what. You do have someone who adores you so deeply. You will never get to the bottom of it. And it's the love of Christ for you. You have that. It's the most amazing love you can ever have. It is astonishing that you are loved. And I don't even know you like God does. That you are forgiven. That love has found you. Don't assume it. Don't shift onto your response. Don't move away from it. And if you have come back today, just stand at the foot of this cross. Looking up at the Savior who died for you. He loves you. He loves me. I love that He loves me. Hear this word. Grace and truth have come in Jesus. That He is your all in all. That you are adored. Today, look around in those lenses and be astonished with me. I'll tell you what, today, as we start in on this, it seems simple, but it is the center of your life. And moment by moment, this society that we're in, the world that we're in, our own flesh, pulls us away from this message. This is why we need to come together, to encourage one another, to look each other in the eye, to know the failings of each other, and yet realize at the same time, you're adored by the King. You know the church at Ephesus? Church of Ephesus was founded by Paul. And we'll close with this. You know, it's, there's this account in Acts 19. You should read it later. But it goes a little bit like this. You know, there's this environment they were in. It was a capitalistic based place. Ephesus was. There was the mighty temple to Artemis. One of the wonders of the world was there. And there was this fear as the message of the gospel came in. This fear became, Hey, they're going to, they're going to decrease the sales of our silver idols of Artemis. Because there's this Paul guy and he's saying that idols made by human hands aren't gods. They're getting it right. This culture then, this people, this city all around going, oh no, this tragedy is going to happen. And for two hours, not for ten minutes, not for half an hour, for two hours, all the city yelling out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This is what's important, they're saying. This is what's important. This is what's important. So it is with us today. This is what's important. Bombards us. It's important that you do the right things. It's important that you walk the right way. It's important that you... Distance yourself so people don't get sick. It's important that you wear a mask. No, it's important you stand up for civil liberties. No, it's important that you do this. No, it's important. And you start to have all these bombardments of what's important. And it's not that they're unimportant. But the church comes back here. There's no denying that having enough to eat isn't important. There's no denying that serving your neighbor isn't important. There's no denial that loving your neighbor isn't important. But, and it's a big but, it starts to affect your heart. And it starts to affect the message. It starts to drag you back into yourself. So come back, will you? Come away. Come back to the message. Not yelling about what's important like the Ephesus city was, but coming to this amazing central message. To what the church is, where the blood bought family of God, where those who proclaim the good news, not, not when you should meet in a building or not, or how to best help the community, the proclamation of the best news the world has ever had. Full stop. News you are in danger always of forgetting. Love. Love. But not love like the world says loveage, which is your love. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the absorbing, the taking away for our sins. Jesus Christ has come. You are His. Hey, love this. Love that He loves you. Let's pray.